And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Thanks, Seth, for reading, James and Rebecca. Um, as we come to God's word, let's, let's pray and ask for his help. Father of God, we do pray this morning as we look at your word together that you would help us to know you better, that you would help us to know ourselves better. And we pray you'd help us to know how we can live lives which are, are more honouring to you, Lives which are more fulfilling, more joyful, as we trust in you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure all of us here this morning, whether we are Christians or not, will at some point have asked ourselves the question, um, what is the point of prayer? Not maybe as a theological question, but as a, a reaction to things that may have happened to us in our lives. Maybe where we have felt God was, was absent. Maybe where we felt he just wasn't really listening to us. Maybe you thought, well, will my prayers actually change anything? God is going to do what he wants to do anyway, so why bother actually asking him? After all, it says in the passage we just heard read to us, your father knows what you need before you ask him. If there's anyone who had an excuse for not praying, it was uh, Jesus. After all, he was fully God as well as fully man, and therefore he knew what the will of God was. He was fully equipped to do his ministry. He didn't need to ask God for forgiveness. He was uh, sinless. Also, he could quite easily have claimed that actually he was just too busy to pray. Um, he spent the whole time of his ministry moving from one place to another, healing the sick who were brought to him, casting out demons, proclaiming the gospel to thousands of people. And yet, he still found time to pray. In Mark chapter 1, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. It's not surprising that Jesus found it so important to pray in the midst of uh, everything that was going on, then he would want his disciples to pray as well. And so he gave them this model prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, which he introduces in verse 9 of Matthew 6 by saying, this then is how you should pray. 
And after Jesus left them to ascend into heaven, what we see in the book of Acts is that the apostles had taken on board his lesson very seriously. If we turn to to Acts chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles handy there, uh, have a look at Acts 1, verse 9. There we're told that Jesus is taken up before their very eyes. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, went upstairs to the room where they were staying, And in verse 14 it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. When we go to chapter 2, the passage that we've been focusing on these past few weeks, have a look at verse 42 where it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So an important part of the um, church then and the church today is that we are devoted to prayer. But why? Well, to to answer that question, we're going to go back to uh, Matthew 6 and focus on the the teaching of Jesus himself. Uh, Let's have a look at why we should be devoted to prayer. And the first reason we're given is in the way that we address God, our Father in heaven. And what this says is that in prayer, we are acknowledging God's power and God's love. We pray these words so often, but I wonder whether we really grasp the significance of what we are saying. Because those four words, our Father in heaven, bring together two very powerful truths about God. That this God who is in heaven, who is immortal, who is eternal, who has created each one of us, the superior being, is also our Father. Now, it's easy to think of someone very powerful on the one hand and to think of somebody who is a devoted father on the other. But to to think of them as one and the same, combining both roles, is something quite hard, isn't it? don't know whether um, any of you have read the book or seen the film that came out a few years ago called The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas. It's uh, set during the the Second World War and told from the perspective of a nine-year-old boy whose family moved house from Berlin to a rather isolated house next to a a tall barbed wire fence where everyone wears the same striped pyjamas. His dad is the, the commandant of Auschwitz. What's quite clever about the film is that normally when we we watch films about the Second World War, we we only see one side of the Nazi officers. But in this book, um, many of these senior Nazi officers would have been husbands and fathers as well. How do you combine those two very different roles? On the one hand, you have someone who has a lot of power that is used for evil purposes, the murder of innocent Jews. And on the other hand, you have someone who loves his son, Now, God is different because um, he's all-powerful, but he's also perfectly loving. And that's a very different combination, isn't it? If we don't think God is all-powerful, then um, if we don't think he, he was capable of making this world and everything in it, if we don't think he's capable of sustaining this world, then he's not really God, and it, there isn't really much point in praying to him. We pray to him because we think he is all-powerful. But if he were only all-powerful, that wouldn't be enough either, because why would he listen to us? 
Why would he be interested in us? But Jesus introduces this prayer with the words, Our Father. He could have said, Our King in heaven. He could have said, Our Almighty God in heaven. Both of which are true. But he says, Our Father in heaven. Why? Because the relationship with a father is a very different one from the relationship with a king. There is a greater closeness in the relationship. I think I've showed this photo before coming up of when I was working um, out in, uh, in Brazil. Um, when a client wanted a meeting, they'd make an appointment, they'd come in, and they'd sit in the chairs, and we, we would talk. My children come in, and they came in, and they're a bit older now. Um, they didn't need to make an appointment. They didn't need to sit in the chairs. There was no barrier. They had complete direct access to me as their father. And it's like that with God the Father. The reason we have direct access to our Father in heaven is because of the Son, because he's dealt with the thing that came between us and God the Father, our sin. By taking the punishment for our sin, he dealt with that guilt and he enabled us to come into the presence of God himself and call him Father. So just as there's no point in praying if we don't think God is all-powerful, there's no point in praying if we don't think his God is really interested in the cares and worries of each one of us as his children. Well, the good news is that he does care for us, and so to pray is to acknowledge both God's power and God's love. Why else should we be devoted to prayer? Well, secondly, to make God's glory our priority. Have a look at the next three lines of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These three petitions are all to do with God's glory. The first is that his name would be hallowed, which um, uh, is a funny word, isn't it? Hallowed. It basically means to treat as holy, to, to worship. So we are praying that God would be worshipped by the people he has made. And yet the people who have rejected him. Which is all of us, isn't it? And as we said last week, whether we are a Christian or not, whether we think we are religious or not, all of us worship something. It's that thing that is most important to us, that we could not live without. There will be some who, who pray only when there's an emergency. And when the emergency goes away, they stop praying. Which indicates that the thing they're praying for is maybe the thing they worship most. This prayer starts with the words, hallowed be your name, because it's saying, you, God, are the one I worship. Having you as my father means I have everything that I need. Even if everything else were taken away from you, from me, I still have you. I simply want to enjoy you. Hallowed be your name leads into your kingdom come. We pray that we would worship God. We also pray that others would worship God. That they would turn from their own ways and turn to him as the one true God and come into his kingdom. And so we pray for our, our community, we pray for our country, we pray for our world. And we pray for individuals we know who don't yet know God. That they would know the joy of what it means to have God as their father and to be part of his family. 
I know that many of you have been praying for, for people close to you, day in, day out, for many years. And God wants us to be persistent in our prayers and to never give up. As people are converted, as people accept God's kingship, his kingdom will grow and his will will be done in the same way that is done heaven, where he already reigns, where the heavenly beings already bow down to him and worship him. But of course, when we pray for his kingdom to come, we are also praying for the final victory. When all his enemies will be defeated, he will take his people to live in a new, recreated world where there will be no more sin, no more pain, no more death, no more crying. The thing about prayer is that it's not simply a set of instructions, commands to God. When we pray these words, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not just saying, God, go and do all you need to do to make that happen. Sort it out, you can do it. You're all powerful. It's also a personal commitment. We're saying, I want to make your glory the focus of my life. How can I live my life in order for your kingdom to come? I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to to grow my own little kingdom, my own sphere of influence, whether it's uh, within a social circle or at work or even in the church. I don't want to insist on getting my way all the time. I want to submit to you as king. And so for those of us who have already submitted our lives to God as we, we grow in faith and allow him to reign over even more aspects of our lives, We are helping God's kingdom to come. To say to God, your will be done, is to accept the way in which God chooses to answer our prayers. It's to trust that he knows what is best for us, which is hard, isn't it? Particularly when we're praying maybe for somebody dear to us who's seriously ill. Because the only good outcome we can see is for them to be made better. But knowing how difficult it is, it helps us to know that we have one who went through that same anguish. Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. He prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He was saying, this is an awful thing for me to have to go through, but I will do whatever is necessary for your will to be done. Even if it means taking on the punishment of the world on my shoulders, even if it means being separated from you. To be devoted to prayer is to make God's glory our priority. Thirdly, and the most important thing in the life of a believer is our relationship with God, isn't it? And hopefully by now you'll begin to see that this prayer is all to do with that relationship with God. And that helps us understand what is the the priority in our prayers. That that relationship with God will be strengthened, that it will be preserved. How do we do that? Well, by asking God to help us in three ways. First of all, that we would trust in his provision. Give us today our daily bread. It's not just a prayer for for food, a prayer for all of our daily concerns. Provide us with all we need to live out our lives in the situation in which you have placed us. 
It's also an acknowledgement that he will take care of us, that he will provide all that we need. And therefore it's a prayer that we will trust him. That we won't ourselves worry about whether or not we have everything that we need. We don't pray to God to let him know our needs. After all, it says here, your father knows what you need before you ask him. But we pray to acknowledge that he is the one who can meet those needs. We pray to demonstrate our dependence on him as children are dependent on a father. The time we therefore spend in prayer is an indicator of our dependence on God. A lack of of, of prayer life indicates a strong self-sufficiency, a feeling that I can sort this out on my own. I will only go to God when I really need him. But the Bible says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So to pray for our daily bread is to trust that Jesus will provide for you for every day of your life. It's acknowledging that we are needy and that apart from him, we can do nothing. And that's why Jesus says it's important to pray for things that uh, might threaten to undermine that confidence, that threaten our relationship with God. And one of those is our sin. And so also we ask God to help us trust in his forgiveness. Verse 12 says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. His debts are our sins. The reason why he calls them debts is because we owe the penalty for them and we ourselves are unable to pay that penalty. We cannot try and renegotiate those debts. We'll never be able to repay those debts. But if we come to God and ask him to show mercy on us, he will write those debts off. We won't need to to repay them. Of course, that doesn't mean we won't get into debt again. Uh, sadly, in this life where, where sin is present, we will continually be in debt. But because of Jesus paying that penalty for us, we can continually be forgiven. So if we are to grow in our relationship with God, we need to be aware of where we continue, continue to fail. And so asking for forgiveness should be a regular part of our prayer life as we examine our lives before God. If we may remain oblivious to our sin, it will affect our relationship with him. Likewise, if we are unable to forgive others, if we hold on to to anger and bitterness and hurt, it will affect our relationship with God. Thirdly, that we would trust in his protection. The prayer finishes, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There are two sorts of temptation the devil uses to try and undermine our faith. There is a sort that tempts us to worship other things instead of God, most of which are covered by money, power, and sex. Then there's the sort that tempts us to lose faith in God, maybe because of some form of hardship or suffering that's going on in our lives. We need to pray for protection against both of these. The physical suffering is is more public and sometimes easier to pray for, but um, let's not underestimate or be complacent about the temptation to sin that goes on underneath the surface. 
and can affect not just our own relationship with God, but the relationship of the church with God. Well, the reasons I've given so far for being devoted to prayer could be applied to us individually as well as to us uh, corporately as a church. And indeed, we're meant to pray on our own as well as with others. And Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room. Close the door, pray to your Father. But we are also called to pray together with God's people. Not instead of, but in addition to. It'd be quite hypocritical to come together with God's people uh, and pray if we're not praying on our own. So what's the purpose of being devoted to, to corporate prayer then? Well, all the other reasons still apply. Um, it's still to acknowledge God's power and love, to make his glory our priority, to strengthen our relationship with him. But when we pray with other Christians, we're helping God's church grow. We're helping God's people grow. And in the book of Acts, we see the early church model this corporate prayer. If you've got your your Bibles still handy, have a look back at Acts chapter 1. Verse 14, we were told there, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Literally, it says, all these with one accord or one mind or one passion were devoting themselves to prayer. You might have heard the phrase, those who pray together, stay together. It's a good tip for for husbands and wives. Um, It's a good tip for members of churches. The apostles were in complete agreement about what Jesus wanted them to do. He told them, stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. They were in agreement about the mission that Jesus had given them, which was to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we'll look at that next week. But as they prayed about that mission... It became more rooted in them. They became more united in it. And so in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And we've already looked at the first three of those already, uh, devoted to learning, devoted to fellowship, devoted to, to, um, to, to worship. But praying cements all that together. It's the glue that holds it together. It's the source of strength to be able to do all of that. Later on, when trouble comes to the early church, it's because they've been praying together that they can stand firm together. So when Peter and John are arrested, the rest of them are all in prayer. When by God's grace they are released... They all pray, they give thanks to God, and they ask him to give them greater boldness. And in Acts uh, chapter 4, verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. They were united through prayer. Those who pray together stay together. It's easy as churches get larger to to lose that focus on prayer, just to become busy with activities and stuff that's going on. But in the early church, they resisted that temptation. 
In Acts 6, we're told uh, as the church grew, some of the widows were, were overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And the apostles could have put all their effort into that, which would have been a, a good thing, but it wouldn't have been a good thing if it was done at the expense of prayer. And so they said to the other Christians, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Prayer must not lose its priority in the life of the church. In Acts 12, we read about the apostle James being martyred for his faith. Peter also being arrested and we're told Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And those prayers led to him being miraculously released. In chapter 13, we're told how they sought the Spirit's guidance in prayer. We're told while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and In the early church, regular prayer meetings were a natural and an indispensable part of their existence. As J.C. Ryle writes, he writes, prayer is to faith what breath is to life. How a man can live and not breathe is past my comprehension. And how a man can believe and not pray is past my comprehension too. So as we finish, are you enjoying the privilege of praying with others? There are loads of opportunities to do that here as a church. Uh, On Tuesday evening, you heard we've got our central prayer meeting. Come and join us. Every Friday lunchtime, we, we meet to pray. There's a group of about a dozen prayer warriors who are there every week. Steve Pashley was one of those guys. He was here without fail every week. He would sometimes walk from Tame to be here to pray. Before the Sunday service, we meet at 10 o'clock next door to commit the service, to prepare our hearts for prayer. In home groups, we we pray for one another. We share one another's needs more, more personally. And if you'd like just to meet with one or two other people um, but don't know who to pray with, come and have a word with, you, with me and we can, we can arrange that. God has given us this special privilege of speaking to him as our Father in heaven. So let's make good use of that. Amen. Well, it'll be good um, having read about prayer, having preached on prayer to pray. Um, so let's, let's pray now and uh, let's use that model of the Lord's Prayer to, to pray. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven. Father, we praise you that you are sovereign, that you are enthroned in heaven. You reign over all the earth and we pray that you would reign over every aspect of our lives. We thank you that we are your children and we have direct access to you as our Father. Hallowed be your name. Lord, we pray for those who do not yet honour and respect your name, who do not give you the glory you deserve. And we bring some of those people to you now quietly in our hearts. 
We pray for our efforts as a church to reach out to people. We pray for the holiday club. We pray for the curry nights in a few weeks' time. That you would use these opportunities for your name to be hallowed. Your kingdom come. Lord, we we pray for that day when your son comes again in glory and achieves the final victory over sin and death. We look forward to going to be with him in glory. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we commit our lives to you afresh and ask that you would give us the privilege of using us in your service to achieve your will. We don't want to be idle. We don't want to waste the opportunities we have. And so we ask that you would pour out your spirit on us, that we might bear fruit and you might be glorified. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, thank you that you meet our daily needs. Thank you for our food, our homes, our families, our friends, our jobs. Help us to enjoy them. Help us to appreciate them. Help us not to worship them before you. Help us not to worry about your future provision, but to trust in you. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, point out to us our sin where we've not loved you wholeheartedly, where we've not loved those around us as ourselves. Lord, if there is anything in our lives which we know is wrong, where we are trying to deny and deceive ourselves as well as you, make it clear to us, we pray. Forgive us for it and give us the strength to do something about it. And Lord, as you have forgiven us, give us the strength to forgive those who've hurt us. And where the wounds, whether they were inflicted recently or long ago, still fester. Help us to show grace and mercy where it is needed, because you have been incredibly merciful to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, where we are struggling to live a life that is worthy of you, that goes against the trend of the society we live in, give us the power of your spirit to do that. Keep us safe from the reaches of the devil because you have promised to do that. And we ask all these things for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.